When we're constantly fixated on the verbal agenda, what to say next, what to write next, what to tweet next, it's tough to make room for truly different perspectives or radically new ideas. It's hard to drop into deeper modes of listening and attention. And it's in those deeper modes of attention that truly novel ideas are found. Justin Talbot Zorn and Leo Mars from HBR. I am, I am, I am. I tried to be greater than the gods, but welcome back to another episode of the Managing Editor Show. I'm Jess, and with me this week is Michelle Lynn, who is the head of all things content strategy and editorial at the Content Marketing Institute. Which, if you haven't heard of it, it's one of the biggest content marketing and educational platforms in the world. So I'm really excited to have you here, Michelle. Thank you so much for taking the time. Thanks so much for having me. So tell us about that quote. I want to jump right in with that because I love the ideas that it evokes. And what does it mean for you? Where are you at with content and your career? And how do you feel about that? So I've been in the content marketing space, you know, really deeply, probably since around 2008, 2009. And I started working at CMI when it launched in 2010. And I absolutely adore this space. But the one thing that I is sometimes tough for me is that there is so much noise and so much conversation and, and so much always on with so many marketers. So when I read this quote in HBR, it just really reminded me that the best ideas really do come when, when we are very deliberate and we shut down and we have quiet and we stop and we turn off. Um, it's something that, you know, I definitely have done shutting off is something I've done a lot more recently. And I feel like my ideas are, are so much better because of it. And I'm so much happier of a, of a person as a result too. Yeah, I totally agree. And I think this is a big discussion in the industry, not just in the marketing industry, but all across the United States, because we are known as professionals to be workaholics, (laughs) especially when you compare us to people in other countries. You know, 40 hours a week is probably not what most of us work. We're probably working a lot more than that. Whereas, you know, in other countries, it's 30 to 35 hours a week and they actually do take breaks and they take siestas and they go home for lunch. And it's like that real break time, like you said. And I think it's so valuable. I mean, how have you, or have you yet, (laughs) maybe you're still figuring out, but how have you tried to build in that kind of time with your demanding work schedule? You know, I mean, several years ago, I felt like I was constantly working and work was always on my mind. And whenever I would have a free moment, I would go check email or I would, you know, try try to get cram more stuff in. But now I'm really learning that the more that I schedule time to be truly um, unplugged, um, not only does my work go better, but my life works better. I work at home and I have kids. So I, I've really made a very conscious effort probably in the last year or, or two that whenever they're home that, you know, the, the, my laptop is shut and I'm paying attention to them or on weekends, you know, I really don't check email unless there's some, you know, issue. And I feel like my whole life is calmer and I feel like my deals are actually clearer. So it's been a benefit, you know, for many, many reasons. Yeah. And not just for you, it sounds like, but your family and your work, which is amazing. So so tell us about what you do at CMI and how you started. I'm sure your role has evolved <laughs> as many of ours have. 
Yeah, it absolutely has. It's been such a it's been such a, a fun ride. You know, I was in product marketing at a technology company for about ten years, and then I started freelancing and consulting when my first daughter was was born because I decided that the you know corporate technology space wasn't you know my my bag. So I was freelancing for a while, and I connected with with Joe Pulitzi, who's the founder of of CMI, um, probably in late two thousand and nine, early two thousand and ten. He reached out to me because. Um, as all these editors would appreciate, he found a typo on, on my website. So I was oh, horrified, no. <laughs> but I was like, oh my gosh, you know, I had this, like, I thought Joe was awesome. And I'm like, I, you know, I'm, I'm horrified, but I'm also, you know, really thrilled that, that, that you were looking at my website, you know, what can we, and we started a conversation from, from there. Um, and long story short. So when he launched CMI, I, I was with him to, to launch that, that property. So it was a very, very small bootstrap kind of organization. So I was so lucky to be able to do everything from, you know, developing the, the blog to our annual research reports to, you know, I used to work on email back at the day and have a lot more interaction with the web team. So um, with the exception of, of the sales part of it, I feel like I've really worked in most parts of the business. So it's been so fun to, you know, see how everything works together and focus on, on the strategy and then, you know, bring in the right people to make the, the team grow and the, and the company really help people. So, um, so currently I, I lead the editorial team and I, you know, work with our, our team on a day-to-day basis with everything from the blog to research to the magazine and everything in between. So it's been so, so fun. I had no idea that story and I cannot believe that not only did Joe, you know, call you out <laughs> for having a typo on your website, but then he still hired you. I mean, that's amazing. I feel like a lot of those stories, you know, go a different way. <laughs> they do, but you know, I, I will I will say everyone on my team knows this. Like I can I can edit for logic and flow and make sure that the main point comes across. Like my mind thinks great like that. Mm-hmm. But honestly, these last several years, my copy editing skills have gone down the down down the tube. So I'm embarrassed to say that as a copy editor, but I mean I'm embarrassed that as an editor, but I'm not a copy editor. I'm more of a of a high level editor, if yeah. you will. So yeah. yeah. But it, it it was still embarrassing nonetheless. And I'm I'm oh, glad that he, he took a, a chance on me, even though I had That's a amazing. Yeah, that's such a good story. And I mean, I agree. I think we're getting to a point with editing and with all the content that's out there that you almost need two sets of eyes for sure. One for, like you said, those high level sweeping edits, and then another person after you're done with that to go in and do the nitty gritty copy edits, because it's hard to see those things when you're focused more on the big ideas. Um, so, you know, I'm, <laughs> I don't blame you for <laughs> getting less into, <laughs> into the copy editing part. So it's astounding how much content CMI publishes. It's like I said, one of the biggest content marketing publications in the world. So how much are you publishing these days and what's it like to be publishing a lot of content about content, <laughs> about content marketing? It's so meta. It is a really meta space. Um, so we publish one article per per day, which is a lot, but it's I know a lot of other organizations publish at even you know higher velocity. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, so it works really well that you know we excuse me that our our team, in a way, because it is meta, we know what 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 we're what we're writing about because we're the people who actually are doing it. Mm-hmm. So from that perspective, there's a really nice. Um, really nice relationship there because we can lend a lot of, of insight. Um, 
but yeah, I mean, it's, it's, I mean, I'll be honest, some, some days it's tough cause you, you're, it's, you're almost too close to everything, but you know, I personally really try, especially recently, like I obviously read content marketers and I follow people in the space, but I find that my best ideas actually come from things that are, are outside the content marketing industry and outside the, the marketing industry. I have a, a nine-year-old daughter and she's right now, you know, she, she loves food, food network and she loves HGTV. And it's amazing how many of those um, things that, you know, I'm just like sitting on the couch, you know, chilling out with her. You can take those and, and apply those, those lessons to what, you know, we're actually doing in the content marketing space. So, and I actually have a, a, a quote that I, I scribbled down one time. It was from Rachel Ray from the Food Network when I, when I was watching with, with my daughter. And she said, you know, we want our viewers to be 100% successful. We want them to feel good about themselves. I don't really care that they are impressed by me. I want them to be impressed with the dinner they made and the adventures they went on. That's the main goal. So it's stuff like that where you'll take, I'll take these insights from people who aren't in this space and apply them, you know, to the marketing that we do and the stories that we can tell. And I, I, I shared this quote with our editorial team as a great reminder to say, you know, always be focusing on how you're making someone else feel in the story that you're telling, not how you're making us, us look as an, as an organization. Mm. That's fantastic. And I love that it goes back not only to your point about mindfulness and to sort of taking the time to be present because then you may get inspired or you may hear something that you didn't expect to gain inspiration from. But it also relates to this point that I think is still a huge problem in our industry, which is that we spend so much time writing for ourselves and not for our audience and not doing things that would actually be useful to our customers and to our fans. And and it's as simple as helping someone do something that's going to make their life better, you know, not not focusing so much on the ego of all of it. So yes. ah man, I love that a lot. Thanks for sharing that. Um so my next question and you, you you sort of touched on this, but I'm wondering if you consider yourself a content marketer. If you were, were you a content marketer first? Were you a writer first, an editor? Do you think that these things are all related? Do you think that needs to be different people? Or how does that work in, in your career? Yeah, so I actually came, I mean, I started off as a technical writer, and then I was a product marketer, uh, like I mentioned, in a tech company for a while. Mm-hmm. And I left that organization in 2008. And that's when I started freelancing. And I, I started out as more of a, of a writer. But as I was, you know, reading and learning about content marketing, and I just loved the thought of making all of our marketing about helping customers and not making it about our products and our services. Mm -hmm. So I transitioned my role into a consultant who also writes. Um, And then obviously, I would start working for for CMI after that. So, you know, in in my head, you know, a a content marketer, it's going to be the you know, a lot of people put that that hat on or that title on, but I think it's anyone who's trying to help within the process of trying to create content that's truly helpful for your customers and who's trying to build the audience so you can provide those people with ongoing useful information. So it's anyone from the person who plans the content to the content creators and editors and the person who distributes the content and the person who measures the content. So, um, you know, I would consider myself a content marketer, an editor, a, a, a planner, you know, you know, a, a team leader. So it's all of those different things. But I think it's, I think content marketer encompasses all of those wider things. 
and we can all play some some role in that if we're in this space. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. And it sounds like a truly great content marketer is someone who, like you said, is able to identify and produce the kind of content that is actually useful to audiences. Mm-hmm. And I wish more people understood that. But <laughs> anyway, how do you with little, that little, little. Yeah, right. Well, we're, we're, we're doing our part here with this podcast, right? Exactly. <laughs> so with that lens, how do you decide what to publish? And what does a great pitch look like when someone is trying to get published on CMI? So it's funny you asked the question because just the other day, so we have a, a form on our site where anyone who wants to submit a pitch can certainly do so. And then we, instead of us reading full drafts, it's easier for us to look at, at those shorter pitches. And some woman reached out yesterday and I just reached out and I just, and I emailed the person who manages our, our blog, Lisa Dacri. I'm like, oh my gosh, this is, this is a, 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 a model submission. So it was <laughs> funny that you asked the question, but you know, she okay. looked at our blog and she said, you know, this is the topic that I, I want to cover. And I see that you've covered this topic, you know, on in, in these other posts. Well, here's how my post is going to be different. And here's the points it's going to cover. And here's why I think it's really going to help your audience. So not only did she bring the pitch to the audience, but she also looked at it at the pitch from our perspective. So we really knew that she actually read CMI and she actually understands and she's really looking for it to be different and not just, uh, you know, I am one of the article about how you can do an overview of any part of the content marketing process. So right. she was awesome. That's great. Yeah. I love that. I, I agree. I think the, the best pitches are the ones that not only share what your angle is for an article, but how it relates to the other content you've already published and why it's going to be useful. <laughs> Back to the <laughs> mention of being useful. It's like very simple, but um, people don't think of things that way. They think of it like, well, I want to write, this is for me. I want my article to be published, not here so I can help your audience. Because it's not, And it's not even here so I can help you, editor. It's here so I can help your audience. And not enough people are thinking yes. that way. So in addition to watching the Food Network with your daughter, (laughs) which I love, (laughs) what what does your day generally look like? Do you have a typical day? Is every day different? Do you, it sounds like you use some calendar blocking techniques for, you know, setting aside relaxation time or just, you know, mindfulness time. But what, what do your days normally look like? Yeah, my day, I mean, my days have evolved over time. I have two kids, like I mentioned, one daughter who's nine and one daughter who's five. Um, And so I used to be an early morning person and I love working in the morning. But then my younger daughter used to get up really early. So then I would get really frustrated that my morning time that was for me, you know, it was actually for us and it was, which was fine, but it wasn't, you know. (laughs) So, you know, it was one of those, we had that, like, you know, I I went to be happy when she she got up and not like, oh, this is my time to work. Right, right, right. um, so currently what I do is I actually, um, I, when I wake up, I actually make a, a point not, not to think about work. If I have time, I'll, I'll read 20 minutes in the morning, just like some um, either nonfiction, typically a nonfiction book about something. Um, and then I'll start the day with, you know, with my kids and do all of the, you know, rigmarole, get them off, off to school and get them off to daycare. And then I typically have my um, work day, which I'll probably probably like you and like any other editor, every single day is completely different, but it's, you know, a combination of, you know, regular meetings with the team or one on 
you know, one-on-one phone calls if something's going on or, um, you know, working with sales and marketing to make sure that our, all of our processes and what we're doing is integrated or digging through analytics and SEM rush to see where we have opportunities or talking with, you know, Joe about strategy or, you know, doing things like this, recording a podcast or yesterday I was doing a webinar. So, you know, every day is entirely different, but I absolutely love it. Um, mm. And then to your point, I try, I try to take, you know, 15 minutes out of most afternoons and just, just stop and not think and just either take a walk or even like meditate or close my eyes for 15 minutes just to let my brain reset a bit. Um, and I realize I'm a much more productive and happier person. And then I shut down when my kids come home and sometimes I'll work at night and, and but I, I, I try not to, but if I'm going to, if I'm going to cheat, I'll usually work at night after my kids go to bed. <laughs> I love that you call it cheating. <laughs> yeah, It's like some people consider cheating, sneaking uh, a piece of chocolate, <laughs> you know, and, and people like us, it's working late. <laughs> yeah. Like uh, I was editing some stuff at 10 o'clock. Yeah. Yeah. So. Oh man. I totally do that. But you know what? I, the way I see it too, and we kind of talked about this earlier was if I don't feel like working or if I don't feel like I'm being most pr- my most productive self, what's the point in trying? You know, if it's a beautiful day, I mean, I'm looking out the window right now. It's a beautiful day. I might take a, an hour this afternoon and go for a run or go for a walk and then just work an hour later when the sun goes down because I don't want to miss out on this on this lovely weather. And and that's okay. And I mean, I feel super blessed and lucky that I do have a, a job and clients that I work with who are fine with that. And I understand that not everybody has that, but, but I still think you can build in things like that. Like you said, even 15 minute, you know, little brain break or, or take an actual lunch break. You know, you don't, maybe you don't need an hour, but maybe 30 minutes to actually not eat lunch at your desk, which I don't know about you, but I barely even like eat lunch. I'm usually just eating little things throughout the day and <laughs> I've tried to be better yes. about actually taking a real meal break. <laughs> I, yeah, I'm, the, I'm the same way. And I, I used to sometimes like take a lunch break, but then I, I would be like reading or I'd be doing something. So I'm even really like just trying to like not do anything. And yeah, it's, it's yeah. hard to make yourself like not do anything, like not check email, like just like be quiet and be okay with right. being quiet. But I feel like it's a really, it's been so helpful just for, even for those 15 minutes. Hmm. Well, that's, I'm really glad to hear that. Cause I, I still, I still struggle with it. And, you know, like you said, it's like, I have to be doing something. It's like that, that stimulation factor. It's like, well, if I have a break, I need to still be reading my book or listening to a podcast or, you know, doing something yes. productive, but you're right. It, it's, it's overload at the end of the day and you need those quiet moments. And like you said, it's, it's still productive to be quiet. <laughs> Sometimes, you know, you get your best ideas and you, you are calmer and you're bringing a different sense of, of, you know, passion to your work that you may not have been able to have if you didn't have that. So that is great advice. I have one more question for you and it's related again to your work. Um, but it may also be related to productivity or writing or outside of your editorial duties, whatever you like, what tool app or software program are you loving right now? So this is not a new obsession. Um, anyone I work with <laughs> knows I'm a bit of, of a, of a Trello junkie. 
Um, and I know Trello is loved by a lot of marketers out there. Mm-hmm. But for those of you, you know, for those of the people listening who don't know what it is, it is a free online tool. And you picture it with a, with a column with a bunch of different boxes. And you can have, I use Trello in so many different ways. Um, for instance, I have a master to-do list. And I keep all of the things I need to do. And every little to-do is, is one box. And you can open it up and include details if, if you want um, and then every day I, I have one column, it says five things for today. So I'll always have those five things I want to do in that day. So I can prioritize and not be thinking, so what am I actually going to do with this time that I, I do have? Um, so I, I love it from that application because everything can be moved around and saved. Um, I also use it to, with the editorial team and we share, we have a, we have a, a few boards, but one of them is all around blog ideas. So we can, you know, keep the running list of all of the ideas we have and prioritize what we're working on. And we can um, send notes back and forth. And it's nice to have a history of a conversation about a topic or about a post all in one spot instead of trying to dig through email to figure out, you know, where it, where it needs to be. Um, mm. And they also have these, these these great checklists where you're like, you know, if you, when you publish a post, you know, you need to do like these 10 things like, you know, get your get your cover image and create your meta tag and all those different things that, that you need to do. So you can have different checklists. So you can make sure that you're, you know, knocking everything off of, of the list. So I love, love, love Trello. I'm going to talk about it for a long time, but um, <laughs> yeah, I, I will have, for the sake of your audience. You should host a Trello podcast. Trello <laughs> fans. <laughs> I bet I there is some just, kind of network for that. I know someone reached out to the see my blog. She worked at, at Trello. I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm so excited to connect with you. So <laughs> I, thought it, I thought it would be fun to have some like, you know, informal Trello get together at, at Content Marketing World for all of us Trello fans to get yeah. in the same room and show each other how we're using Trello. You should. So. That would be really fun. I mean, I I have used Trello before. I haven't haven't figured out a way to make it work for me, but I feel the same way about other tools. And I think that there are a lot of those sort of nerdy obsessions that we have as marketers that it's really fun to talk to other people about them because you get to see like, Ooh, Oh, I didn't know it could do that. I didn't know that it had that, you know, integration or you could do recurring task lists or whatever it is. And it really is fun to kind of nerd out over that stuff. So I think you should do like a <laughs> marketing is. tools nerd summit at CMI this year. <laughs> I would love that. We could have all of the different tools that people use the most and they can find their people and their tribe. Yeah. And that yeah. would be so fun. Super easily sponsorable as well. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. <laughs> all right. One last thing before we wrap up. What is your number one piece of advice for writers who want to get published on big giant sites like CMI? I would definitely recommend that people read the, the blog and that they understand what the blog is about and they understand what the typical blog articles look like. Is it, are they short articles? Are they in-depth how-to? Are they, you know, more, you know, high-level thought leadership? Um, like I said, try and try to understand where your article pitch fits into everything else that's been published on that space, or at least some of that stuff that's been published on that space. So you're, because a lot of, as you know, Jess, you get a lot of the same pitches time and time over. So it's nice to, it's nice when you can tell if someone's actually reading and paying attention. Right. 
That is great advice and much easier said than done because it requires that the writer actually spend some time <laughs> researching and reviewing <laughs> what you've done. And, you know, I've talked about this with a couple of different editors. The thing that the things that we have in our brains over the years of working on a site is almost unbelievable and non-transferable. And I don't think that we expect writers are going to know every single piece of content that we've ever created, but having at least a, a sense of the types of articles and the types of audiences that we're trying to reach. And, and yeah, again, how your article will fit in that bigger ecosystem, not just how this article will impact the audience today, but how it fits in over time is, is great advice. And, and it's, and honestly, like it's even take 15 minutes, 10 minutes, and just type in the website name colon videos and see like the the recent, most five recent posts on, on videos, if that's your topic. So it's really, it doesn't have to be hard to do that. Yes. Google is your friend. <laughs> Google is your friend and just see what else has been published. Yes. Perfect. Well, thank you so much for joining us. And thank you everyone for tuning into this episode of the Managing Editor Show. I will be linking all of the resources and ideas and topics that Michelle mentioned here at themanagingeditorshow.com slash episode 27. You can always email me if you have any questions, ideas, or you just want to chat at hi at themanagingeditorshow.com. We will be back next week with more tips for how to be a better writer, editor, and content marketer. And until then, make sure that you are creating content that's useful for your audience and always use Google. It is your friend. <laughs> we'll catch you next week.